lifers. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the 1010 podcast, where we talk about life and the abundant life that we can have through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been an amazing year so far. I know that you're going to love today's guest, my friend, Angie Persley. She's going to share about the ways that God has been faithful to her through the lives of her children. And so I'm so glad that you tuned in today. Let's get started. Awesome. Angie, I'm so glad that you have joined us today for this episode of the 1010 podcast. I know that you're a listener. I am. I am. Every time I think (laughs) I've listened to all the episodes, you reference one and I think... I haven't listened to that one. Thank I love you. the 1010 podcast. It's Thank great. you. Well, I always appreciate your text messages to me when you've watched one and you've encouraged me. So I, I love feedback. And that's just a little hint out there. I love feedback. I love to hear people's favorite episodes, the conversations that they've enjoyed. Um, it's They're all meaningful to me. And so aside from my husband, this season, you're the first other person that I've had really? wow. on this podcast. So I'm really, I was just really happy when you said yes, that you'd be willing to come on and just talk about your story. Um, so I met you, I was thinking, is it like about a year and a half ago that you and your husband came to the Northwest? Yes. Mm. So, I mean, we've been a part of the Northwest for a long time. My True. husband and I used to be pastors in a little town called Forks, Washington in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And then it doesn't um, really feel like Washington. <laughs> it doesn't. It's so it's far a, away. It is. You have to go there on purpose. It you is. do. And we have. You have. Have you been there? We went oh. there um, a couple years ago. I feel like it was during the pandemic. Um, okay. But we we were in Squim. Okay. Because that's, it's like an hour drive. Yeah. It's an hour and a half. That's the closest Costco. So that's where I would do all our big shopping. Well, we dr- we decided because we had our kids with us to drive to Forks. And yes. I'm sure you know why we had to drive to Forks. Oh, it was really absolutely. only one. <laughs> My husband says that we pastored in the Twilight Zone and he'll write, <laughs> he'll write a book someday about that. <laughs> we could have given you the tour for free. I know. I didn't, I don't think I knew about you then, but, and then we visited um, the beach. There's that beautiful beach. Yes. What's it yes. called? In um, La Push or yes. Rialto. Yes. Rialto Beach. Yes. And it was that day that we went. I don't know if it's always like this. It was completely fogged in. Okay. Like you couldn't see the water. It was really so foggy. It was so all the twilight vibes. Oh, um, perfect. But did, did it rain? No, it oh. was just super <laughs> misty. Very like it was so foggy that you could like feel the mist, you know, perfect weather to visit twilight. <laughs> yeah, it was just gorgeous. And it was just a really like, ah, we didn't even know it was there. So anyway, back to you. So you and your husband. <laughs> yes. So we pastored there for nine years and then, um, the Lord moved us to a crazy uh, position for my husband. So he was <laughs> voted in as the assistant superintendent of the Northwest Ministry Network, which is the network that Cedar Park is a part yes. of. And so now we are pastors to pastors. Yep. I remember seeing you guys for the first time on stage and just being like, man, they look great and they look happy and their kids. And so we are so glad that God has brought you to that position. You. And you and your husband have been a blessing to us personally and to our network um, already. And so we're super glad, but you said it's a crazy position. <laughs> it's very different from pastoring a local church. So, mm. I mean, we lived in a town of 3000 people and <laughs> pastor a church of about 250. So wow. almost 10% mm. of the community. So you knew everybody gro- going to the grocery store was like, I have to add an extra hour because yeah. I'm going to meet everybody and anybody. Yeah. And then, um, now coming to a position where, uh, our, 
our congregation is now pastors. So my husband right. travels a lot and mm-hmm. it just looks a lot different. We're grateful. We love being a part of this amazing network and, and ministering to pastors. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. I know we, we didn't really talk about talking about that too much, but like what has been something surprising to you? Like maybe your favorite thing about it and your least favorite thing about this role? Uh, that's a great question. I, <laughs> we love, part of my husband's job is to minister to the missionaries that we mm. have in our network. And so I yeah. love missions. I yeah. love missions at heart. And so I love partnering with them and getting to know all of our missionaries has been phenomenal. So yeah. I think that's been our favorite part. Cool. Um, my least favorite part is for the first time we had to find a church, mm. <laughs> which is so different. And everybody who's listening is probably thinking, well, we had to find a church too. But <laughs> when you're a, a pastor, especially in the Assemblies of God, you are voted in. And so right. you immediately have a, a spot. And right. so finding a, a community, mm-hmm. a, a spiritual community has been really different on this yeah. side. Yes, I totally get that. I think also just being a wife too. It's yes. like different. It's a different role, even though our network is very supportive of women in ministry Absolutely. and like our church totally is. But I think it's just it's just a different mm-hmm. burden that we carry as moms yes. and as wives. And But I was thinking when you were talking about missionaries, that's one of the things that I love about even just pastoring our church is, is meeting the missionaries. Mm-hmm. Like when they come to uh, speak to our church, just getting to know them and their families and, yeah. and then receiving their newsletters, mm-hmm. you know, in the mail. And you really feel like, you know, them, yes. you get to view into a little window of their, of their life and, and you really care about them, even though you don't see them very often. Yeah. Sometimes um, once every four years or if not yeah. longer. Yeah. So I love that too. Yes. Awesome. And then you guys have children. We do. We have three kids. We have uh, twin girls, Piper and Emsley, who are 12. Piper and Emsley. That's right. Yes. Jay said, he remembered Piper and I'm like, <laughs> he said Amesley, but Emsley. Emsley. Yes. And then your little guy. And then our son, who is Evan, who's 10 years old. 10. So we had three kids in two years. Okay. So the girls are the older? They are. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and how long have you guys been married? We, this year will be 17 years. So, um, that seems so weird to say that Yeah, a long time. Yes. And what do you do with your time now? So I'm a hundred percent a wife and a mom. So that is awesome. But I also am an adjunct professor at Northwest university. I am a nurse by trade. So I have been a nurse for the last, um, 16 years. And since we moved trying to find a job that fit into my husband's hectic schedule. Yeah. Uh, the Lord really opened an opportunity for me to teach a couple classes at Northwest University, okay. which is my alma mater. And so that's where I became a nurse. And now it's really awesome to go back. And now I'm teaching yes. the future nursing students oh, of man. America, which seems like a crazy thing to say, too, because wow. I don't feel smart enough or old enough to do that. But Well, here you we are. seem pretty smart to me. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm really glad that God made people like you because I am the kind of person who like faints. <laughs> yeah. Like when I get my blood taken, oh I've, no, I pass out. I just, I don't know. I'm very empathetic. I think so. You know, even if I'm like visiting people at a hospital, <laughs> it's just like, there's the smell. Yes. There like is a smell. The You're plastic absolutely right. Plastic or uh-huh. like, and it's, I don't know. I don't really know where that trauma happened. <laughs> Well, you're not alone. I know. That's a common response to people. Yes. But then like there's other people like you um, or like my husband. I remember when he had to years ago, he got 
um, viral meningitis. He got the one that's not as deadly. Okay. So he had to do a spinal tap or have one done. Yes. And I remember I was pregnant with Ava at the time. And so, but I went with him into the room, which was probably a mistake <laughs> looking back. But I was like, wanna, you know, I was really worried about him. He was like so sick. You were supportive. Yes. And he, um, you know, he was awake during it. And then, of course, he wants to like turn around and watch them oh my do goodness. it with that giant needle. It makes me like kind of lightheaded even now talking <laughs> about it. And I'm in the corner, like head between my knees, like just deep breathing, like trying to do anything so I don't pass out. So it's just interesting how God makes us all different. It's very true. So have you always wanted to be in nursing or? Um, I decided at the age of 14, I mm. wanted to be a nurse. I was doing, I don't remember why, how I got connected with our hospital, but do you remember candy stripers? It was like a thing of, of teenage girls that would go in and volunteer in hospitals. Oh. And um, so our hospital had a program like that and I needed some cool. community service hours okay. for our school. Okay. I went to a really tiny private school, mm-hmm. very similar to the way that Cedar Park School is. Yep. And um, so I needed some community service hours and I don't remember how I got connected with the hospital, but I fell in love with it. Mm. And at that moment I knew I want to be a nurse. And I love learning about the human body and I love seeing how God can heal and God can work through people and give them the tools that they need to help people who are sick. And um, so at the age of 14, I decided to want to become a nurse. So good for you. So tell me a little bit about um, when you and Andy decided to start having a family, like what I know you guys have your each of your kids are like miracle stories. Yes. Um, and I just think, you know, being a podcaster, we talk about how life is so precious Mm -hmm. and every life is valuable to the Lord. Um, and even when it comes to, uh, fertility, like there's people are all over the map with it. You know, some people it's like they get pregnant at the drop of a hat, other people, um, you know, for years or not at all. Um, and, or have really difficult pregnancies, but tell me a little bit about your journey into motherhood. Sure. So I knew I wanted to have kids. I, um, and Andy wanted to have kids. He came from a family of, he had three siblings. I had one sibling. And so I always wanted to have three or four kids is what I said. I'm a planner. So I would have (laughs) my whole life planned out for you. And I've heard it said that if you want to hear God laugh, just tell him your plans. Oh boy. And that is exactly (laughs) the story of my life. (laughs) Anytime I planned something, it was like, well, that didn't work out. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so Andy and I met at Northwest University, uh, fell in love, got married right after we graduated from college. I was, he was a youth pastor. I was a nurse and I wanted to get my career going. Okay. So, and I also was the breadwinner. So, okay. I mean, when you're a youth pastor, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> we relied on my, my income as a nurse. And so, mm-hmm. um, Became a nurse and I always, Andy and I were on the five-year plan. And then um, we said, we want to have kids in five years as if that's how that happens. So um, at four years, I started seeing all my friends who were married around the same time we were going through life around the same time. They were all having babies. And all of a sudden I realized that that age, I felt super old. You were like 20. I was 27 at the time. Super old. Super old. Like, if only. (laughs) So um, really felt like, hey, maybe this is now where we should start planning. And um, ended up getting pregnant, got really sick really early on. And I had never been pregnant. So 
I mean, I knew all the things yeah. of being a nurse. This must be what it's like to right. be pregnant. And this is awful. And mm-hmm. um, we went in for our eight week ultrasound, first ultrasound. So excited. I always say we found one little jelly bean in there. And so on the ultrasound, <laughs> yeah. saw one baby and just went on in our journey of we're so excited to mm-hmm. that this is the timing that God has for us. And then um, at our 12 week appointment with the doctor that I had, she was a phenomenal physician mm-hmm. and I knew her. I worked with her. So I'd had a great relationship with her and we were in our second appointment and all of a sudden she said, you know, I don't really hear the heartbeat. It's not uncharacteristic. I'm not going to worry you, but let's just go get another ultrasound just to see what happens. And so I knew that it could either be good or it could be bad. So Mm -hmm. I was trying very hard not to worry in those few short moments while she's pulling in the ultrasound machine. And I'll never forget, we were sitting there having a conversation and she's just talking to me. And all of a sudden I saw on the ultrasound, not one jelly bean, but two. <laughs> you saw it first. I, I did. At the same time, the doctor, my doctor did. And oh, so all word. of a sudden I, I gasped and she started laughing and Andy was so confused. <laughs> he had no idea what he was looking at. Right. And so she just started laughing and he said, what, why are you laughing? <laughs> and uh, she said, you're having twins. <laughs> and so oh, that was the biggest word. surprise so of our life. we found out at 12 weeks. We found out at 12 weeks. And then from then on, I remember <laughs> sitting up and it was just deer in the headlights look of, I know there's a lot of people out there that dream of having twins, yeah. Yeah. wish they had twins, twins run in their family. They all wanted twins. I'd never thought about twins in my entire R- really? life. Really? No. I mean, it, so just, it was just a shock. It was just a shock. And she was so encouraging to us and we just walked out of that doctor's appointment Andy's on cloud nine just so excited God gave us two babies and all of a sudden all the details of life start hitting and I think how on earth am I gonna handle twins right I'm only five feet tall how on earth am I gonna carry twins This just and sounds first. so complicated. So it's like all the, yeah. <laughs> wow. So it was quite the life-changing moment mm, uh, for us. And um, yeah, so that was how we ended up having a family right away. <laughs> I'm thinking, I was like smiling really big because I'm just thinking about, hopefully this isn't TMI for our oldest daughter, but <laughs> her and her husband, they've been married, you know, like about four-ish years and they're planning to start their family this year, Lord willing. And she's probably thinking like, oh no, twins. <laughs> I never thought about it. You so never know. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. In our family, though, it is kind of like that. Um, Jay's grandpa is a twin. And um, actually, Jaslyn was a twin. Okay. Yeah. So when I was like five weeks, um, I thought that I had miscarried, but it was her twin. It's a twin. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. Absolutely. For her to, or any of our kids to Anything is possible. <laughs> So I know you've been pregnant then again with Evan. So do, do you feel like with twins that you were more sick? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I was, I was so sick, so sick from yeah. early on. And, um, I was sick for at least I had to take in, I took anti-nausea medicine until I was 20 weeks pregnant. Oh, wow. So I remember thinking I was reflecting on it this mm-hmm. morning of, you know, you think about that seems yeah. like so long ago, but yeah. it was like yesterday. And there, there there really was maybe one or two weeks that I felt 
good. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was a rough pregnancy. Yeah. Every, every part of it was hard. And, mm. um, so it, I was very sick. I had to work a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to muster yourself out of bed to yeah. go take care of patients was, was really tough that at makes the time. it worse when you yeah. are like, cause I remember when I was pregnant with Talia and a student trying to get up early in the morning and like, you know, go to classes. I just was always <sighs> so nauseous. <sick. laughs> It's like all day. Long. Yes. Nausea. Yeah. But mine, for me, it was usually like the first trimester that I was mm-hmm. sick and then I felt better. And then, you know, you're miserable the last. Oh. Oh, yeah. It was like two I weeks. cannot imagine two, though. Yeah. I, um, I, I was about 26 weeks, I think. And I had had some people I, you know, once you're pregnant with twins, it's like comes out of the woodwork where you find out all these people who had twins. And Mm -hmm. so I was part of this mom's group online Mm -hmm. uh, of people that I knew who had twins. And they said at 26 weeks, you're going to get really big, really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. And so after 26 weeks, it was, it was lots of, you know, did you have to do bed rest or I did. So, um, I went on bed rest about five weeks before my (laughs) girls were born. So I had preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure. And, um, so about, it was, yeah, six weeks before they were born. So about 28 weeks, um, I went on bed rest. So it was modified bed rest. I could still get up and go around, but not very much. Right. And so it really turned our life upside down. My mom was a teacher at the time and said, this was what I needed to retire. So my Aww. mom came and lived with us for the last month before it gave birth. And then um, we were trying to keep the babies in as long as possible. Right. And then um, at 34 weeks, they were born. Wow. <laughs> so they were born early, pretty early. They were premature. And um, so did you just go into labor or? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was taking a lot of medications to try to stop my, any kind of uh, preterm labor. Yeah. So um, I was on a lot of blood pre- pressure medications. Mm-hmm. And the last week before the girls were born, I was on complete bed rest. So mm-hmm. I was allowed to go to doctor's appointments, which were every day. So at oh, that my time, word. that last week before they were she born, just lived at the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I would let, I mean, it took forever for me to get in the car. Oh. And then my mom would take me to the hospital. I'd have an NST. They did a lot of stuff. And I remember like the day I went in that I ended up my water broke and I had them that morning. I saw my doctor and she said, you just need to keep these babies in for one more week. And that's our goal is for you to, I can deliver them here at the time we were youth pastors in Anacortes. So she said, I can deliver them here in one week. So keep them in for one more week. And uh, I remember walking in and the doctor looked at me and she looked at my mom and she said, is she bigger from yesterday? (laughs) Oh, just because I had so much water weight. I mean, I was huge. Oh. <laughs> I said, I'm right here. Yes, I know. I'm generous. Thank you. Hello. So, um, Andy was actually on a missions trip with our students in Eastern no. Washington. And so um, they luckily the youth leaders said you need to take another car just in case Angie goes into labor. Yeah. And I said, I am not going into labor that early. And little did I know. So there I went into labor and they rushed me to the University of Washington because it was mm. too early for me to deliver in our mm-hmm. little town. And um, Andy was in eastern Washington driving 90 miles an hour to mm-hmm. get there sure. for, uh, for the girls to be born. And they ended up being born on his birthday. What? So all three of them share the same day. Oh, so that's crazy. It was pretty traumatizing. The girls yeah. were they were trying to stop my labor again at that time. And I was on had to take an ambulance from Anacortes to UW. And wow. um, when you deliver at the University of Washington, it's, you know, there's like 900 people in the room. So really, yeah, there's 
you know, it's a university. Learning so, and yes. And so all these people would come in and say, and I'm this med student and twins. I'm this resident. Yeah. And, you know, I was 10 out of 10 centimeters. So I was... It was happening. It, we were happening and then things were happening fast. And um, Emsley, who's baby A, she uh, was breech. So her, she oh, was wow. a foot lean breech. And so during labor, we were trying to have a natural birth, but um, her heart rate was dropping okay. super fast, really quickly. Mm. And so in them, they just said, hey, we're going to C-section now. And uh, oh. things were happening. So there's certain times in life where it's not very fun to be a nurse. And that is one of them. <laughs> So I remember being in the operating room and there's all these machines beeping and all these people were standing by and there was a large team that was in there and I could see the heart rate just dropping. And I remember thinking, okay, Lord, uh, I'm either delivering some babies today or I'm about to meet you. So it was pretty traumatic and it was traumatic for my husband. My blood pressure was skyrocketed and Mm. um, our daughter's heart rate was dropping really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so they tried really hard to keep me awake and place an epidural. But when you're 10 centimeters and having contractions every minute, it's really hard to place an epidural. So no kidding. They had to place me under general anesthesia. And um, he must have, the anesthesiologist must have given me a lot of medication because it took a very long time for me to wake up. Really? Like about four hours, which is not normal. (laughs) So my poor husband was all by himself. And he shares this story of how, how traumatizing it was for him. He came in, they said, let, let, her husband come in and say goodbye. And it was like this weird thought of... They said that to him? They did. They said, it's time for you to say goodbye. And they're just thinking, you know, goodbye until after surgery. But it was this weird moment He just of, felt like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. So um, we're so grateful for modern medicine. A hundred years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I would have died. And so would <laughs> right. have our one, if not both of our girls would have. So... Um, after they were born, they were tiny, three five and three twelve. Wow! And uh, just these little little peanuts. So we have called them the Pursley peanuts since oh. the beginning. And so, but they were healthy. They were tiny, but they were mighty. And so, um, then our journey began as parents. Yeah. So were um, did they have to go into like ICU type care yeah. for the? They were in the NICU for three oh, weeks. NICU. Yeah, that's what it was. And um, they call them gainers and growers. So they were healthy physically, okay. just were born, Tiny. born early and needed yeah. to learn how to eat mm-hmm. and how to breathe. And mm-hmm. they, that suck-swallow reflex develops yeah. in the 34th week. And that's so, why the doctor wanted you to go one more week. Yes. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> reasons. But that was one of them. So mm-hmm. um, we spent our time going back and forth between Anacortis and um, UW until... Okay. They got bigger and we were ready to take them home and start our journey as parents. Wow. So how long were they in the hospital then? Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. You might have already said that. I just yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> missed it. But three weeks. Wow. That's amazing. And mm-hmm. now they're how old? They're 12 years old. Wow. So we're about to, we're about to go into the teen years this wow. year. They'll turn 13. So you can wow. pray for us. Two teenage girls at the same time. Yes. You yes. know what that's like. I do. So you could, you need to give me some tips. You know, <laughs> I think that might have been around the season that we homeschooled our family. <laughs> we did a couple of years because I feel like especially with girls in like middle school, it's just challenging. Yeah. There's a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. And just sometimes there's just you don't feel that room to be you. Yeah. Because you're trying so hard to fit in and um, impress, not impress, but just be accepted, be accepted. And so um, and people, kids are 
stinker faces. <laughs> yes. You know, our own included. Like, yes. they just are. They can be mean to each other and insecure and <laughs> it's just a lot. <laughs> it really is. So, yeah. But, you know, prayer is powerful. Thank you. And it really does make a difference. Okay. As well as um, in talking to your kids about their friendships and their relationships and also, and I know it sounds like I'm just, oh, the pastor's wife saying this, but being a part of their youth group. Mm-hmm. And I hear so many parents say to me, you know, my daughter or my son, just they don't have any friends and they don't fit in in youth group. And, then, and so we don't go. And I'm like, okay, that's too bad. <laughs> but you don't go to, you, you don't go to yes. church as an adult just because that's where your friends go because you're not there primarily to you know, be with your friends. You're there to encounter yes. the Lord. That's right. And so I think you as parents, we as parents need to teach our kids that mm-hmm. at a young age, that like church isn't just what you get out of it and how it meets your needs, but like what, yes. you know, why you go is to spend time with the Lord, to draw closer to him and relationships take time. Absolutely. They just do. And if you show up consistently week after week, mm-hmm. even if you don't talk to anybody or nobody talks to you, I guarantee you that there will be a day when somebody else, you know, reaches out mm-hmm. to you or you see somebody and you'll become lifelong friends with them. And that's just the way it works. And I think parents, it's easy for us to just feel sorry for our kids, right? Because we love them and we're like, oh, it's so sad that you don't have friends yeah. or you feel insecure. And so we try to shelter them from any hard moments, but then they're not learning no. to work through those hard moments. Yeah. That's you not know? life. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, when we, when I was uh, in high school, we lived in Snohomish and then we moved to, um, Bothell. And so I went to a, a new high school. I, I did some, my sophomore year at Snohomish high school. And then I did my junior and senior year at Woodenville high school. And I had been at Cedar Park my whole life. So I didn't grow up with all these kids. Like all of them grew up with each other. Oh, sure. Um, so I kind of like stepped into a high school environment where these kids literally had known each other, you know, since they were kids. Um, Cedar Park didn't have a high school at the time, which okay. is why I went to public. And there were, um, when I went to Woodenville high school, I, I had some friends, but, um, we had three separate lunch periods because, um, the school was so big and the cafeteria wasn't that big. So I didn't have lunch with any of my friends. And so I would sit by myself for lunch. My like first, probably first half of my first of my junior year. And I remember to this day, like how I felt. I remember feeling like, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I have any friends? And, you know, but I made it Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I worked through it. um, And and it's okay for our kids to go through, hard times, mm-hmm. you know, that's right. Because they have a family when they come in the evening, I come home and like my parents talk to me about it. Yeah. And I had friends at my youth group, but at that time, you know, by that time I had made friends cause I went to youth group every week, Yes, whether I liked it or not, it was yeah. just a rule in our house. Like you just go to church. Um, and my cat is just losing her mind over there. <laughs> <laughs> you can help her out. Ivan. If you can. <laughs> You can open the door for her. I love animals. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, I listen to Jan Markell and she has cats and they often will like climb up into her lap. So I think it's totally fine that the animals participate in the podcast. I think it's great. <laughs> uh, anyway, long story short, just encourage, encourage your Thank girls you. in the season, you know, there's, yes. it'll be good times and, and bad times and that's normal. And even at a Christian school, like we're, my 
daughter, Jazzy and I were just talking about this, that she felt that way, you know, even in, at mm-hmm. our Christian school that, you know, not everybody at the school is pursuing the Lord. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> and it's okay to know that and recognize yes. that Be- there are some that are. Mm-hmm. And so those are the people that you want to run with, yes. you know, and it's okay to be like, you know what? Um, I'm your friend, but I'm not going to hang out with you because you're not running for the Lord. Right. And so just t- talking to your kids about um, finding those people that inspire them in the kind mm-hmm. of person they want to be yes. and just be with them. And sometimes that means being alone. That's true. If you can't That's find them or they're <laughs> not there or, That's you know, absolutely true. And yeah, life is, is hard like that. But I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, you can do hard things. That's right. <laughs> well, we, we need kids to know that. Right. We do. And parents, parents to know that, like it's, we bleed for our children, right? Like, yes. oh man, my children are wrapped. I'm wrapped around their fingers. Is that how it works? They wrapped around. I, I just, <laughs> I want to do, I want them to be happy. Like I want them to have strong friendships and, you know, and especially when they're young, like I hate it when they feel insecure. Um, but well, and do you ever see yourself in your children too? Totally. Yeah. I see myself and I think, oh, at that age, I really struggle with that. I don't, I don't want you to have to walk through things I had to walk through. And, but you know, they have to, they, yeah. we have to, I'm just constantly reminded yeah. to be a listening ear yep. and to listen more than I speak, which sometimes I have a problem with that. So <laughs> it's so easy to project my problems, things I struggled with onto my kids, you know, but our kids, yeah. although they're like us, they're not us. They are not us. <laughs> right. And they don't have the same experiences that we've had mm-hmm. and they're not going to make the same mistakes that we made. They're going to make their own mistakes. Absolutely. And they're going to make them. Yes. And that's okay. That's right. <laughs> Even if you live in the pastor's home. That's right. And it's so important for even as have being a, a parent to pastor's kids, yep. I I need other people to speak yeah. into my kids' lives. Yes. So I value their youth pastor. I yes. value their youth leaders because right. although I could be saying the same things, they listen to it totally. far, far better from somebody 100%. else. 100%. Yes. You right, all need you. a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So, you know. Find a youth, a youth, I'm not talking to you, but find a great youth group for your kids. Yes. Get them plugged in and just make them go. That's right. <laughs> That's it. My Drop mother-in-law says, my husband always said that his mom always told him, we're church people. We go to yes. church. That's what we do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So picking up with your family and your story. So you, obviously you had your baby twins. We and did. We did. And we were making it. My mom lived with us for the first six months of their did lives. Because really? yeah. wow. I had to go to, I had used up most of my maternity leave before mm-hmm. they were born. So I had to go back to work full time when they were just eight weeks old. So wow. um, they were in the That's NICU hard. for those first three weeks. Oh and then I had word. five weeks with, it was, man, uh, wow. we laugh now. Yeah. But we were not laughing. No. That <laughs> we were really sleep deprived. Uh, we had a church that was phenomenal and really? helped us. And, uh, you know, but we do joke around. I was so sleep deprived that if there was not a picture taken or if it wasn't written down, I really don't remember what happened really? that first year of their life. I can't even imagine. Really? It was like the first five years. <laughs> My husband tells me stories and I'm like, that didn't happen. I said, yeah, Angie, it did. Oh, man. So it was pretty crazy. But we were falling and, you know, figuring out how to be parents of yeah. two little girls at the same time and survive and be mm-hmm. youth pastors. And my husband was getting his master's degree at the same time. Nuts. Oh, so um, then about, I remember working one night and the girls were about 16 months old. 
And um, I, and this nurse I worked with, she worked half on the OB floor and half on the, the acute care floor that I worked with. And she was just checking in and asking mm-hmm. how the girls were doing. And she said, how old are they? I said, 16 months. And she said, oh, you're about to have another baby. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? She said, it's about this time that moms get pregnant again. I've watched this for many years. And I kid you not, that week I found out I was pregnant. No way. And it was a surprise, which is funny because, I mean, how was it a surprise? But <laughs> me, the planner, it was not planning at that time. Oh, no. And so um, I was trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I have tiny babies at home and I'm working and now we're going to have another kid yeah. on the way. And I was having some conversations with the Lord because I wasn't quite ready to grasp that. Yes. And um, <laughs> I'd had an initial appointment with my doctor at that point. And then um, about eight, eight to nine weeks, um, one night at work, I thought I was having a miscarriage. Mm. And so hadn't told anybody besides my husband that, mm. you know, he and I were the only ones that knew that we we're expecting another baby freaked out, went home from work that night, really prayed, realizing, yeah, I mean, yes, I just figured out I was pregnant and mm-hmm. now maybe I'm losing this baby and all the emotions that can come yeah. in with that. Yeah. I called my doctor again, amazing woman that I knew. And she said, well, let's get some blood work done and we'll just check and see if you've had a miscarriage or not. So the next day um, I had the lab test to see if you're pregnant. And uh, she called me on a Friday night and uh, after clinic hours. And she said, I need you to sit down. I think you're pregnant with twins again. Shut up. <laughs> Your hormone levels are three times the amount that they're supposed to be. And so I I think you're having twins, but I can't get you into an ultrasound until Monday. My girls were 16 months old at the time. I had, you know, we were just sleeping through the night and they're... So uh, God oh, and I had a boy. lot of conversations that weekend. Couldn't that have just waited until Monday morning at yeah, the ultrasound? Yeah, could she have just told me Monday, hey, come in for an ultrasound yeah, right now? Yeah, we just want to check this out. So Monday morning, I went in and I was scared. Absolutely. And I really wasn't very excited, So, which sounds terrible to say that no. now. But um, went in and the ultrasound tech, I said, you need to make sure there's one baby in there. The doctor couldn't find one baby the first time. Right. So let's just make sure, see if we know that there's one baby or two. Right. So they did a very detailed ultrasound and <laughs> found out that I there was one baby. Yeah, so okay. So we uh, went in our journey. I was just getting to grips, realizing that I was pregnant again and tackling. At least it was only one. It was only one. I was not nearly as sick. Mm -hmm. And then um, around the same time, my husband uh, uh, was voted in and hired as the new lead pastor of Forks Assembly. And um, we were starting this journey of moving from one city to the middle of nowhere Mm. (laughs) in Forks. And um, we were about to have our 20-week ultrasound. Well, we were having our 20-week ultrasound. We were going to find out the gender of the baby. And Andy was so excited. And I had all these dreams of, you know, Pinterest was pretty brand new. And so at the time, I was thinking all these ways to reveal if it was a boy or a girl. And we were so excited. So we went in for our 20-week ultrasound in the midst of we were going to be moving in two weeks to our new town. And so there was a lot of chaos going on at that time. We went in for our ultrasound. Andy was super excited. We were just chatting the whole time. And um, I remember specifically that the ultrasound tech had been talking to us and then went silent. So there's this is another time where it's not very fun to be a nurse. And so at that moment, I realized ultrasound texts don't just get silent all of a sudden mm-hmm. for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And then she quietly excused herself and she said, I'll be back in a few minutes. Oh no! And that's never a good sign when they leave the yeah, ultrasound room. Yeah. 
she came back in with the radiologist. So that's even more bad news. Mm -hmm. And I braced myself and the radiologist said, we see spots on your son's lungs. We don't know what they are. So is that the first time you heard it was a boy? That was the first time we heard it was a boy. He said, you're having a boy. There's spots on his lungs. Something's wrong. Your doctor will be contacting you. Have a nice day. Oh, my (laughs) word. So what was supposed to be a super joyous moment turned into terror. So... Again, as a nurse, I always think of the worst case scenario. So that night, our doctor called us again, and she, she was really honest. And she said, I don't know what this is. I'm going to be sending you to a high-risk um, OB doctor in Everett. And um, here's a list of what we think it is. So she gave me a list of three things, and all three were bad. So mm-hmm. two, Is she a believer? She was. She was a Christian. She, I had worked with her. She knew we were Christians. She was phenomenal. Yeah. And she okay. said, I'm going to be praying for you at mm-hmm. that throughout all of this. And I know you're moving right now. Mm-hmm. Call me with anything. She'd given me her personal phone number, and I'm going to mm-hmm. walk you through this. So um, in the midst of trying to move and figure out what was wrong with our son, we went into uh, this appointment with high risk, with a high risk obstetricianist, and we had another ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And through those two weeks, like I'll be honest, my faith was strong. I'm a Pentecostal woman. I've seen miracles yeah. all over the place, and I started off really strong. And I said, "Lord, here is your opportunity." I'm just, I, I was, I was really strong in the moment, thinking this is just an opportunity for God to show His miraculous power and. Right. We asked anybody and everybody we knew to pray for us. Our church that we were leaving as youth pastors, they came behind us. Our new church that we didn't even know, like mm-hmm. they had just voted us in. <laughs> and we said, you don't know us, but we're this is what we're going through. Right. And we want you to partner with us. Mm-hmm. And um, Andy's grandma put us on every prayer <laughs> chain on TBN that's <laughs> in existence. And so she said, it's going it. to be fine. We're, everybody we know is going to be praying for you. My mm-hmm. husband's home church, my home church. I mean, we, we had faith. I had seen it happen uh, where God had worked through some really miraculous, impossible situations. And so we walked into that appointment and I had really strong faith. And I walked in with a new, another ultrasound tech. At that point, I had had a few ultrasounds, so I knew exactly where the spots were. Mm -hmm. And I was going in fully expecting that the spots would be gone. Mm -hmm. The moment the ultrasound tech showed that spot on my son's lungs, they were still there. Mm. So we walked into the appointment with our uh, high-risk obstetricianist, and she said, um, it was actually the attending physician that delivered my girls. No way. <laughs> and so she walked in. I said, oh, I recognize you. And she, she, of course, she didn't recognize us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she said, if I delivered your babies, then that was obviously probably not a great situation. Oh, <laughs> I no. only delivered the bad ones. And I said, yeah, I mean, it wasn't oh. great, but you did wonderful. Your team's <laughs> awesome. Our <laughs> babies are good. Our kids are alive and healthy <laughs> and well. And she said, hmm. well, um, in looking at your ultrasound, I can tell you one thing that your son does not have cancer. Now, cancer was not on the list of the three. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I thought, boy. well, that's great. But we still had these three diagnoses that he probably had. And she said, you know, we let her know we're moving to the middle of nowhere in Washington. And she said, you need to prepare yourself that you're going to be delivering at no place else besides the university of Washington, because your son is likely going to need surgery. The second he's born, we're going to transfer him to children's hospital. Like this is what your reality is. So I left that appointment and that's when I crumbled because I'd had faith. I'd seen it happen before. And that's where I thought, 
but God, I believed, I trusted that you were going to turn this into a miraculous situation. We have all these people praying for us as if we put our prayers in a slot machine and think that the best outcome is going to happen. And that's where I went on a journey with the Holy Spirit, where he became real to me in a way that he's never become real to me. And there are very few times that in life where you can relate to Job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm reading through the Bible right now and we're in the book of Job. And there's there's not much of Job's story that I can relate to. I mean, here's yeah. this man who was, I mean, the Bible says, where can you find a more righteous person? So <laughs> a man who's full of faith, who was extremely wealthy, successful at everything he did, had 10 mm-hmm. kids. I mean, none. Yeah. <laughs> but um, here's this man who goes on, loses everything. And then at the end of the book, God shows up. It says that God shows up in a whirlwind Mm. and begins to express who he is to Job. And I went on this journey with the Holy Spirit where I began to realize who God is, that despite these really scary situations that I was faced with, I served a God who just because I'm a believer, just because I've seen it doesn't mean that we're guaranteed life without pain. In fact, the Bible tells us in John that in this world, you will have troubles, (laughs) but I have overcome the world that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I realized probably for the first time in my life, the sovereignty of God, that despite the circumstances that God trusts me enough to give me this baby with what whatever he has, whatever could be wrong with him, yeah. that he's going to never leave me. Yeah. Psalms 23 became really real to me at yeah. that time where I realized that we serve a God who's going to walk beside us in the hardest of times. He's going to go before us, walk beside us and come up from behind us. And um, we went on a, a quite a crazy journey of we moved to Forks. Um, in fact, the day that we moved, um, I ended up, I thought I was in preterm labor. Oh, wow. I ended up in the little high, tiny hospital that I would one day work for. <laughs> and um, they thought I had appendicitis. <laughs> ended up I had kidney stones, which is oh, never fun. No. Um, so, so at that time, I was able to find a new doctor. So I shared my story of... You know, I have this baby. I don't know if we're going to deliver here. Or they yeah. tell me I'm going to deliver at UW, but I still needed to find a local doctor. And so the nurses were so kind to me and mm. said, hey, this is the doctor you want. So just in case you're able to deliver here on the peninsula, this person's done it for a million years and yeah, <laughs> has delivered awesome. thousands of babies. And this is the person you want. So that was the only good thing that could come out of kidney stones. Yeah. (laughs) While you're pregnant. (laughs) So after that, I had Mm -hmm. um, about monthly ultrasounds that they would send me back to people at UW, back to people at Children's. And one month prior to um, Evan being born, we went in for, I believe it was our fifth or sixth ultrasound. So by that time, I knew exactly where the spots were, exactly what they Mm -hmm. looked like. Nobody could figure out what these spots were. And we had people continuing to pray for us. And um, we walked into yet another appointment. And at that point, they weren't showing me the ultrasound. (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, I probably could have been persistent and asked. And the ultrasound tech quickly did the ultrasound. And we went into a room, very similar. It was a round table, very similar to this. Mm. And three specialists sat at the table. And a specialist walked in and he said, "There, there are no spots on your son's lungs. And my husband and not I what just, you expected to hear. not what we expected at all. And um, he said, I don't know why they sent you to us. We have to wonder if these spots ever existed because they don't go away. 
And that's where my husband, who <laughs> full of faith, started presenting the gospel and that we're pastors and we believe wow. in a God who heals even the unborn child. And the guy's just looking at us like, oh, we're not great. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, we said, we believe that God healed, healed our yeah. son. And so they said, go, go back home and deliver a baby and you'll be fine. So, uh, a month later I delivered a completely healthy baby boy. Um, they immediately took him in for an x-ray. Nothing was wrong with his lungs. And did you do that at the UW or at the, no, we did it in Port Angeles, which nice. was, um, the a hospital very close to fork. So, cool. um, so we had a healthy baby boy wow. and, um, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. That so we, we brought him home and, uh, had another pediatrician who was a believer that we shared our story with. And she's really, really walked us through some really awesome things. And, and, um, she took a few more x-rays and our son, Evan, to this day, I just, the, yeah. he is a bright spot in our life. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, <laughs> he never slept very much the first year of his life. Oh. He was a colicky baby and kind of a grumpy baby, but uh, <laughs> he cried a lot. But it was a reminder to me yeah. that here was a boy who wasn't supposed to be able to breathe on his wow. own. And, you know, he could cry all he wanted for exactly. that first year of life. Of God's like, you're really going to need this encouragement. <laughs> He's going to cry a lot, a lot. <laughs> and, Ugh. um, the Lord needed an Evan. He mm -hmm. is 10 years old. He loves Jesus with his whole heart. He it was, is more spiritually mature than I was until my twenties. I mean, we just see a distinct yeah. calling on his life at a very young age that yeah. the world would have tried to quiet his voice and so uh, take away his breath. But here he is. God's got great plans for all of my children. Absolutely. But it's a reminder that for every child. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Um, what do you think? How do you, you know, that moment when you talked about pray, everybody was praying, you know, and then you went into the ultrasound and nothing had changed. You know, I feel like there's so many of us in that place of like prayer requests that we have brought before the Lord so many times, you know, and I was just having this conversation with, um, with one of my girls about healing and like, why, like, why does God or what, you know, why does he heal some people right away and other people not? Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, she'd been, it was something that she'd been praying about and she just was kind of like, I just feel kind of like, why is it worth it to pray and ask? Because sometimes when we ask for a miracle, Mm -hmm. It's like we we kind of get our hopes up, I guess is a way of saying Absolutely. it, you know, um, but I thought what you said about there not being any guarantee of mm -hmm. like a pain free or problem free life, you know, so like, I guess, how would you encourage somebody who is kind of in that place of like asking for a miracle, but like, how do you live in that tension of waiting? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't have all the answers, but by, by well, no know. means. Um, and sometimes it's hard for me to share this story sometimes because I don't know. I, I know this has a happy ending. Yeah. And not every story is a happy ending. Right. I've watched a lot of really close friends and family members yeah. walk through a lot more difficult things than I've walked through. But and I mean, you essentially walked through an entire pregnancy with that idea. Yeah. Until like the last month, yeah. you know. I don't think it's like a one size fits all. Right. I think be open to the journey that the Holy Spirit wants to take you on. Yeah. Um, even That's as, good. I mean, I grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a really tiny private school. Church was my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I've been told about prayer my whole life. Mm -hmm. But until you experience it, it's not, 
it's not like a guarantee of if I pray hard enough, right? If I pray loud enough, if I ask these certain people, this will, this will change the outcome, but it's more about change my heart mm-hmm. so I can align with Christ. Mm-hmm. What is it, Lord, that you're trying to teach me in this moment? Mm-hmm. Will you give me an answer? Sometimes, sometimes we get to see yeah. the answer that comes totally. on the other end of, yeah, I could use this to encourage somebody else, mm-hmm. or I could use this to help propel the gospel. And sometimes we don't, probably mm-hmm. more often we mm-hmm. don't see the other side of the story right. and we won't until we get to heaven. Yeah. But the thing that I would encourage somebody who's walking through a really dark time is to remember the goodness Mm. of God and to bring people alongside of you. I could have not walked this journey by myself Mm. or quietly. And I had a lot of really great loud voices Mm -hmm. that when I was weak, they were strong and they could remind me of those Mm. attributes of God, that he's a God that loves us. He's a God that's merciful. It's gracious. Who's kind, Mm -hmm. all knowing that Mm -hmm. new way beforehand, what the outcome will be, but chooses to walk beside us right. in our brokenness. Right. Like that no other religion believes in that, mm-hmm. that we have a God that walks beside us in our brokenness. Yeah. And so that that would be my encouragement is to That's good. have some loud voices around you. That's good. That can yeah. encourage you. Yeah. To bring people along yeah. into that prayer request and into Absolutely. that Absolutely. It was pretty cool because it it aligned us with our new congregation that we didn't even yeah. know. <laughs> you went through that together. We did. Mm-hmm. We did. And That's uh good pretty funny that the day we moved, I was like, Hey, (laughs) I have kidney stones. So sorry, Andy, we'll probably be late coming to the office, (laughs) man. So, but it it helped us a lot. They got to see us on a personal level. Yeah. Walk with us. I think I've been thinking about that so much through the Christmas season, you know, um, where of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus and just how, um, like ridiculous that whole story is of like Jesus appearing to Mary, you know, and Joseph in dreams and through angels and through wise men. So it's not that God didn't know that Jesus was going to be born that night. And I just wonder how Mary and Joseph felt when they got to the town Mm -hmm. and they, it's like everything had fallen into place exactly how God had, the angels Mm -hmm. had told them that it would be. And then they were like, did you not know we would be here tonight? God, did you not know (laughs) that your son was going to be born tonight. Yeah. And like, why did you not have a house for us? Why did you not have a room for us? I don't know. I just been thinking about that because just stuff in my own life where you're like, God, I know that like you're in charge of everything. Like, could you've not done that one thing <laughs> that I yeah. feel like should have happened yeah. or whatever. Um, but it just shows me that God has a different purpose. Like mm-hmm. he's sovereign. Just like you said that. And so like my prayer this year is like, God, just show me your Mm -hmm. holiness so that I can see not like how much better you are than me or how pathetic I am, but just that you're so much greater. Yes. (laughs) Your plan is so much bigger. You see things that I can never see, you know, whether it's with my children or with Mm -hmm. the, the world or our church or whatever it might be to trust God, even when it seems like he's not doing what we want or what I want. <laughs> well, like I said, if you want to hear God laugh, just tell him your uh, plans. <laughs> oh, I just, yeah, I guess I do really need to hear him laugh. <laughs> and I would love to say that in the last 10 years, I've just been this amazing woman of faith that in every hard situation right. that we've had. I'm like, yes, no. remember that time. No, I have had to remind myself. Mm-hmm. I actually started in my, this was quite a few years ago in my Bible, started writing down just 
just those those little keepsakes from the Lord mm-hmm. of remember when he did this for you. Yeah, remember when he provided this financially mm-hmm. for us. I mean, we have had people deliver groceries when we needed groceries delivered. And uh, we need, you know, just yeah. the provisions of God, yep. because you can easily forget those. Right. And in the moment, you know, you're trying to think about all this, the, the yeah. situation and you, we can get stuck in that yep. anxiety. Totally. And to be able to remember what he's brought you through in the past. Yeah. That's he's going to continue to bring you through. It's right. probably not going to look the way you think it's going to look. No, but, probably not. <laughs> but hopefully better. <laughs> yeah, for sure better. But you're right. Like just that it's easy to focus on the problem yeah. versus on yeah. keeping our eyes on the Lord. And um, I find that I my anxiety mm-hmm. in life grows when I'm looking at the situation versus just keeping my eyes on the Lord and in his yeah. word and in prayer. And so it's just a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good story. That's a good reminder to us throughout this, you know, January and mm-hmm. new year to keep our eyes on the Lord, because I think the world is just going to keep getting crazier <laughs> in the situations, you know, but God is with us. It is going to get crazier, but... I mean, it's all, it's been crazy. It's true. <laughs> I don't know if you, so I, this is my fifth year reading through the Bible in a year. Good for you. Well, I'd love to say I read it. I listen. Okay. <laughs> so I That's listen fair. through the Bible and I, I love the book of Genesis because yes. it's a reminder that mm-hmm. things went really weird, right? Really fast. Yep. A long time ago. And here we are That's thousands good. of years later and God still has a plan and he still loves yeah, us. And good. we can get stuck and think, is there a point? Right. Well, there is. We serve a really amazing God yeah. that despite our failures can can use us despite our shortcomings. Amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Well, I feel like we could talk all day. <laughs> I am a talker. so No, me too. But it's been really awesome to hear that story again and just to hear the way that God's been faithful to you. And I know that, I mean, it's encouraged me. And so I know that it's encouraged um, people who are listening. So thank you for sharing the story of your kiddos and and your husband. And we just pray um, God's blessing over you guys and thank over you. this next year. Um, just the grace to walk through all that God has in store for you guys um, and blessings. And I look forward to network conference in a few months. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and all the fun things that we'll get to do together. And, yes. And the good things that God has in store. So um Thank you so much for joining us, all of my lifers out there. Um, It's been awesome to sit down with Angie and with all of you and to um, hear how God has worked in her life and through her kids. And I hope that something about her story has brought encouragement to you and that you've resonated with that. And maybe it's made you think of a friend or somebody that uh, needs to hear that story too. And so you could share this podcast with them and, and just encourage those around you. We know that God is working all the time. It's easy to think he's only working on the good days when everything's going well. Um, But I'm reminding myself and all of us that even on the difficult days when we do feel forgotten or we feel like things are not going well, that God has not forgotten us. And he is always working out his good purposes and plans in our lives. And we can trust him. He is good. He is sovereign. He is faithful. Mm -hmm. And um, so thanks for joining. I'm going to close this up in a word of prayer and then we will sign off. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for you. And God, I thank you uh, for this opportunity to sit down with Angie and to um, hear and to see your faithfulness to her. And thank you for the encouragement it's brought to my heart. And I thank you for every listener. 
who has tuned into this episode, Lord, that their hearts would be encouraged. God, that we would all be lifted up to walk the journey of faith that you have called each of us to walk, that we would be faithful like uh, the men and women that we read about in the Bible who were faithful to you, even like Job, who no matter what you allowed to come into his life, he never cursed you or questioned Mm -hmm. you. He just said, may it be to me, just like Mary said, may it be to me all that you have said. So God, I pray that we would be those kind of people who trust you on the good and the bad days. And we just commit this episode to you and we pray it all in your mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We'll see you next time.